from Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Brewers keep winning. They beat the Padres last night. We're going to get to Brewers coming up later. We're going to continue to talk about Packers-Vikings. Packers are 2-0. And don't get me wrong, Vikings 1-1. And and looking, I'm going to admit, like a better team than I thought through two weeks of the year. A lot to talk about with both uh, those teams. I want to talk Badgers football today as well with the bye week this weekend and with a pretty... uh, easygoing, non-dramatic, non-conference schedule. We haven't really had a whole lot of reason to talk about the Badgers. We're going to hit on them today. They're staring down a huge game with Michigan at Camp Randall coming up this Saturday. Going to touch on it all. Uh, Before we do, I'm a little bummed out. I want to talk football. I want to talk NFL. So last night, all excited. Get home to watch Monday Night Football. Right? I I got a frozen pizza, got some ice cream, right? And I'm ready to, to sit back and watch Jets Browns, right? And last night's game, even for a casual football fan, last night's game had so much potential to be fascinating, right? Jets, Browns, I know they're AFC teams. They are certainly not teams with with rich histories of winning or, or, or I mean, they've, they've had some good players, but it, but certainly lately there's been no iconic Browns quarterbacks. There have no there've been no iconic Jets quarterbacks in my life, right? They certainly don't have the rich history of, of some other teams, but a, a fascinating game with a lot of potential, right? Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold, right? That's probably going to be a conversation and a competition for the next five or six years, right? Or or maybe all the way through their careers on who turns out to be better. They're certainly very different personality-wise. That was going to be fascinating. Well, Sam Darnold had mono. Okay, well, he's out. Well, the Jets are also just, they're they're combusting, right? Quinn and Williams didn't play yesterday. Le'Veon Bell is great, but he had 21 carries for 68 yards last night. His longest carry was eight yards. Not exactly exciting. I I like Jamal Adams, but that Jets defense really didn't have a whole lot of help from the offense. Well, it was a very boring game, and the Browns didn't end up winning 23-3. Yuck. Wasted. And Trevor Simeon, who is supposed to be the, okay, not too bad, backup for the Jets, ended up breaking his ankle because Miles Garrett just could not stop roughing the passer. And then Luke Falk comes in. That's not what I want to watch on Monday Night Football. No offense to Luke Falk. Last night, a, a game with a lot of potential to be interesting, a lot of high-level superstar players, and it just really didn't amount to much. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to talk a lot of Wisconsin sports today. I'm a little bit bummed out about football in general right now, and we're going to talk Packers-Vikings next. Don't worry. We're going to talk about our teams, the teams that matter. This is the Wisco Sports Show, after all. I'm a little bit bummed out about football today because as much as I like the NFL and like watching games, I also like listening to sports radio, right? We have such a good lineup on WKTY. Dave and Scrady do an awesome job 6 to 9 every morning. Dan Patrick, 9 to 11. Dan is one of my favorites because I think in an age right now where it's all about arguing and about having the hottest take, Dan is just kind of a laid-back guy who just like talking sports at a bar, right? And I love Dan Patrick for that. Bill Michaels, obviously, is a staple across the state of Wisconsin. Jim Rome in the jungle. I like sports radio. I like listening to people talk about sports almost as much as I like watching sports themselves. And right now, the narrative, the conversation around the NFL is a little bit clunky. It's a little bit yucky, in my opinion. I think the one thing that can ruin football, the one thing that can ruin football is injured quarterbacks, right? I will sit down and watch the Saints and the Rams on a Thursday night. I will. But if Drew Brees is injured, God, that's that's 
That's a bummer. I will watch the Browns and the Jets. I know it's not the best matchup, but man, I was intrigued. It was interesting. There was potential, but not if Sam Darnold's hurt. Right? Injured quarterbacks is the one thing that we are American football is in us. I don't know what it is. I love the NBA. I love baseball. But for whatever reason, when football's on TV, we pay attention. Right? The one thing that can ruin that, the one thing that can take away from that seemingly just instilled love for football that we have as Americans, the one thing that can ruin that is horrible quarterback play. And Wisconsin Badger fans, you know that after the last two years, right? Drew Brees out for an extended period of time. Ben Roethlisberger is going to miss the whole year. Nick Foles broke his collarbone in week one. Yep, last week. Cam Newton's not injured, but he just looks broken. He's not the same player, right? And Andrew Luck, we forget about him. He retired before the season. The conversation and the dialogue about the NFL and on sports talk uh, shows and stations just like this one, they've changed. The conversations have changed. It's no longer, can the Saints get back for the third straight year after another heartbreaking finish? Can they get back and compete for a Super Bowl? I mean, we don't know what I'm talking about that anymore. Can Teddy Bridgewater keep them afloat, right? How good is Teddy Bridgewater? What can Sean Payton do with Teddy Bridgewater? I don't want to talk about backup quarterbacks, right? I don't want to talk about Luke Falk. I didn't want to talk about Trevor Simeon. And look, I'm a Big Ten fan. I like Northwestern when they're not playing the Badgers. I like Trevor Simeon, but I don't want to talk about Simeon. I certainly don't want to talk about the backups backup. Certainly. I want to see Sam Darnold. Can he continue to progress? Can he keep pace with Baker, right? The first overall pick in that draft. Darnold was taking a couple of picks later. I don't want to talk about Mason Rudolph. I don't want to talk about the Steelers and how many games they're going to lose this year. And now, unfortunately, we're going to because the Steelers, if you if you missed it yesterday, uh, made a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. So their first round pick for next year is going to the Dolphins. So if the Steelers stink, Dolphins are going to have another uh, a high pick next year in the draft. The Steelers don't think they're going to stink. The Steelers are convinced that they are going to compete with Mason Rudolph, that it is business as usual, and they're going to keep churning along, and they're going to compete, and they're improving their team by trading away their first-round pick in Minka Fitzpatrick. I believe, and I think the Dolphins believe as well, that the Steelers are going to stink on ice, that they're going to win about five to six games this year, and Pittsburgh traded away an opportunity to draft Ben Roethlisberger's replacement. That's what I think. And that's the conversation that's going to be had for the for the next week or two. And I hate it, right? Because football, we're supposed to talk about the games, right? The, the offense, the defense, the strategy. I don't want to talk about injured quarterbacks. I don't want to talk about the, the Dolphins. I saw a mock draft last night. Somebody tweeted, Jason McIntyre uh, of the big lead and of, of FS1 tweeted out a mock draft last night. I don't want to see that. It's September 17th. I want the conversation to be on the games, right? To be about fantasy football, to to be about the strategy and the game planning and the home field advantage and the refereeing and the controversy. And I just don't want to talk about bad quarterback play. I certainly don't want to watch it. There's plenty of bad quarterback play last night. In fact, Luke Falk, who was the replacement for Trevor Simeon, who was the replacement for Sam Darnold, actually wasn't too bad last night. Most of it in garbage time, 20 to 25 for 198, no touchdowns, no picks. I want to watch Sam Darnold progress, Right. I want to watch Ben Roethlisberger. Can he continue the Steelers winning ways minus his two best offensive weapons? Right, I want to watch Drew Brees. Can him and Sean Payton still plow through one more time to make another run at the Super Bowl after heartbreaking losses? Those storylines, those interesting conversations, gone. Out the window. We're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, Luke Falk, Mason Rudolph. How many Steelers, how many games are the Steelers going to win or lose? Right? Yuck. And you know what? It's not only going to ruin conversations on sports talk shows like this one. 
But it's going to ruin some really good primetime games. I'm looking at the upcoming uh, primetime schedule. Now, week three, here's what we got. Okay, so <laughs> the Titans and the Jaguars play this Thursday night. That, that'll that probably, I mean, you could just tell before the season starts. That's going to be a bad game. Okay, but Sunday night football is the Rams and the Browns. That should be good. And then the Bears uh, and Washington are going to play on Monday night. Okay, if you start looking forward farther, right, week four, Eagles-Packers. That's going to be the Thursday night game, right? But then there's Cowboys-Saints. Well, I don't I don't want to watch the Saints on primetime if they have Teddy Bridgewater. And then the Monday night game is Bengals-Steelers. I don't want to watch Mason Rudolph on primetime. Right, week five, Indy and Kansas City is a Sunday night game. Well, now we can't watch Andrew Luck. Right? Bad quarterback play or injured starting quarterbacks is the one thing that can actually taint Americans' love for football. And we're seeing it plenty so far through two weeks. I don't know if that's going to affect how people approach the preseason or or, or approach their offseason conditioning or whatever. Bad quarterback play and injured quarterbacks is the one thing that can sour Americans' unconditional fandom for the NFL. And we're seeing it right now. I don't want to waste any more time on it. There we go. It's out of the way with. There's my rant. I'm bummed out currently about the NFL. I hope it gets better. I'm also 0-2 in fantasy uh, in case you were wondering. So, yeah. A little bit bummed out right now. Uh, we're going to talk Packers because ultimately this is the Wisco Sports Show, right? That's that's our team. That's the team we care about. They beat the, the Vikings 21-16 on Sunday. And the conversation following that game has been fascinating. I'll explain why. We're also going to talk Badgers and the Brewers play tonight. They're playing obviously tremendous. They've won 10 of 11 and they're having a fantastic September. And Brandon Woodruff is coming back tonight. We have a lot of fun to have a, a lot of, uh, of awesome conversation. So stick around. Uh, we're going to talk Packers coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports right here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Grant Bills. I'm glad you are here. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Obviously, Packers fans are still basking uh, in that win over the Vikings on Sunday. And you know what? Given the circumstances, you can take a victory lap on this one because it had been a while, right? Vikings fans loving to remind Packers of how long it had been since the Packers last beat the Vikings, although they should have won in Week 2 last year, but I've been told too many times to get over that, so we're not going to bring that up anymore. We can throw that little tidbit in the garbage, right? Packers beating the Vikings 21-16 on Sunday, and and you know what? I I saw a lot of promise from the Vikings. When the Packers went up 21-0, I thought it was done. I thought it was over. I thought the Packers, I seriously thought the Packers were going to route the Vikings 42-13. That's what I thought at that point. I really did, because I thought Kirk was rattled, and and to be fair, he was. Like, he really didn't do anything. He really didn't do anything. So Kirk was rattled, but that defense impressed the hell out of me. Impressed the hell out of me the rest of the way. So the Vikings, I don't think they looked bad. Kirk Cousins looked bad, but as a team, they didn't look bad. Uh, Packers just good enough at Lambeau uh, to squeak out the win 21-16. And the conversation following this game has been fascinating. It's been unreal because it's all been centered around the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. And then... Maybe that's fair. Maybe. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe. But before we get into a conversation about how Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are coexisting so far this season, so far in 2019, can we can we just take a moment? Okay. The Packers are currently 2-0 in their division, 2-0 overall, including one win on the road in a raucous soldier field in Matt LaFleur's first game, 2-0 in the division. 
And the second game against another very good defense in the Minnesota Vikings, a seasoned head coach in Mike Zimmer, right? Once again, rookie head coach for the Packers. 2-0, 2-0 in the division, and they won against two of the best defenses in the NFL. Bears, I think, are the best defense, hands down, not close. Vikings, uh, top five, top eight, certainly top ten. We'll see. It's only two weeks. It's tough to tell. And the Packers have a rookie head coach. By the way, I'm I'm trying to think. Matt LaFleur was the only rookie head coach in week one to get a win. Did the did any of the other rookie head coaches in the NFL win yesterday? So Matt LaFleur is two and zero. Do any of the other new head coaches have a win? Right, Vic Fangio lost, which which was too bad. I like Vic Fangio. I want to see him win. Vic Fangio lost. Brian Flores lost. Cliff Kingsbury lost. I'm pretty sure Zach Taylor and the Bengals lost, didn't they? Who else am I forgetting? Adam Gase. Regardless, Matt LaFleur is is currently lapping the rookie head coach class, right? Lapping them. That's impressive. What the Packers have done through two weeks, whatever you think about Aaron Rodgers and his personality, whatever you think about the rest of the year, the first two weeks have been impressive and you cannot deny it. That being said, this, this little bubble of conversation in the last year and sports commentary around Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur belongs in a museum. Let me explain. So, before yesterday's game, the conversation around Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, a little bit passive-aggressive, difficult to work with, took shots at Mike McCarthy, didn't like Mike McCarthy, may or may not have heavily contributed to getting Mike McCarthy fired, right? It turned sour at the end. And let's not act like 14 years was, was like, he's not a coach killer, right? He was there 14 years, won a Super Bowl, won three NFC Championship games, right? But it got sour. Aaron Rodgers, difficult to live with. Mike McCarthy couldn't get along. They can him, right? That's been talked about plenty. Now, up until this point, we've talked about audibles. Uh, we have talked about, what else have we talked about? Matt LaFleur, uh, joint practices, pace of play, wearing a wristband, all that stuff, right? And, and Aaron Rodgers got a lot of criticism. So <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers has a, a, a short little, I would say, heated exchange. I'm not going to say argument. I'm not going to say yelling match. It was a heated exchange with his head coach after a throwaway on third and long, okay? And I thought, oh, God. No, 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 no. Because everybody's going to take this and run, and we're going to have to listen to another week and a half of segments of people saying Aaron Rodgers is difficult to coach, difficult to play with, and, and and look, rightfully so. Like he's in a he's arguing with his head coach. I'm not saying it's unfair. It's an interesting topic. It's just not interesting to us because we've heard it so many times. The reaction yesterday was surprising. Aaron Rodgers actually had support, right? Players, analysts, talking heads coming out and saying, "Well, no, I actually, I actually like this. Showing some fire, showing some competition." So. Yesterday, I pulled this audio because I wanted to share it because I think it is hilarious. Yesterday, Colin Cowherd and Greg Jennings, who is employed by Fox uh, and does analyst work at FS1. I don't think he's particularly good at it, but that's beside the point. Colin Cowherd and Greg Jennings talking back and forth about their opinion and their thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. God, this is funny. So yesterday, Aaron and Matt start barking, and I'm like, I love it. This is exactly what he wouldn't do with Mike McCarthy. It was eye-rolling, throw the ball out of bounds. The only thing I didn't like about this with Aaron, he kept walking. Stop. Conf- it was it was aggressive, no, but a little passive-aggressive. No, I, I don't mind him walking because if, if he stops and he makes it into this big ordeal, then, then what we do as the media, now we're like, oh, there it is right there. But what he's showing is like, yeah, I'm frustrated, but I'm not going to harp on it. Let's get to the sideline. We're going to get over to the bench. We'll talk about it. You'll get my real sentiments over there, and let's move on. It's not it's not a big deal to to – it's not a big enough deal to sit there on the sideline while the cameras are all there and just bark back and forth. That's not going to do anything. 
Okay, okay. So have I, I'm going to write this down because I'm going to forget otherwise. So hold on. So, so hold this. So, uh, okay. So yell. Don't uh, yell. Okay, yell at coach. That's good. That equals good. Okay, yelling at coach is good. Uh, shoulder shrugging, eye roll, not good. Okay, so yelling is good. Uh, we want to be aggressive as possible. No shoulders. Okay, no eye roll. I just want to make sure I have this down. No eye roll. That equals bad. Okay. Also, yelling is good. Okay, the only problem. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, next time you yell at Matt LaFleur. Okay, Rodgers yells. Yell longer. Don't keep walking. Confront coach and yell for longer period of time. Okay, Rodgers, yep. Yell. Okay, don't keep walking. Be aggressive. Let it out. Okay. All right, we got it down. So, now. Aaron Rodgers doesn't not supposed to be passive aggressive. No, no. Instead, yell at your coach. Right, yell. Let it all out. Yep, right on the sideline in front of everyone, in front of the coaches. So yell. Uh, okay, so that's the first bullet point. Okay. Um, oh, don't eye roll. Don't shoulder shrug. Just yell. Okay. So you want to let it all out. Okay, that makes sense. Fine. Uh, the only problem is, okay, don't walk, Aaron. If you're mad, man, hold up the game. Don't go back. Talk to your teammates. Don't go sit down on the bench. Let them have it right on the sideline. Okay, Rogers. Don't keep walking. All right. So I think I think we have our standards down. Does anyone realize how asinine this whole conversation is? Do you do you understand when you listen to that? That was forty five seconds long. Do you understand the 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 nuance and the detail of human interaction and communication that sports talk hosts are going into when it comes with Aaron Rodgers and, and his communication with Matt Floor? This is unreal. Am I the only one? I I know I sound mad. I'm not. I'm just I'm amazed and I'm entertained to be quite honest. Okay, so. Aaron Rodgers is difficult to coach with. He's difficult to play with. You can't win with him. You can't win without him. Okay, but, 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 if Aaron Rodgers is going to have a problem with his head coach, we want it to be a shouting match. We want it to be a scene. We want it to blow up on the sideline. And you know what, Aaron Rodgers? The only thing that wasn't good about yesterday, the only thing I didn't like, is you didn't yell at him long enough. You didn't. You, you kept walking, man. Why did you keep walking? Stand there and yell at the damn man because he deserved it. Is that is that what we're saying? Is that what this is escalated into it's this is unreal i feel like i'm in a communication study i feel like i'm in an interpersonal communication studies class at uwl breaking down communication dialectics and dialogue and theory between a a mother and a child or a daycare provider and a child at daycare this is unreal this is we've never done this in sports before do you understand in my lifetime, we have never gone into this much detail. I, I don't particular. I'm not interested in what Greg Jennings had to say. Listen to what Colin Cowherd said again, and just think while you're listening. Try to comprehend the absurdity of the detail of this dialogue. So yesterday, Aaron and Matt start barking, and I'm like, I love it. This is exactly what he wouldn't do with Mike McCarthy. It was eye rolling, throw the ball out of bounds. The only thing I didn't like about this with Aaron, he kept walking. I wish you could see my face. I wish you could see my face. Because I'm just sarcastically staring off into nothing. Finally, finally, Aaron Rodgers is yelling at his coach. It's what we've all been asking for, right? It's what we've all been waiting for. Finally, he let the damn Matt LaFleur coach have it. Finally. It's about time. It's been it's been two full weeks. It's about time we had a blow up on the sideline. And you know what, Aaron Rodgers? Next time you do it, don't keep walking. Let him have it. Hold up the game if that's what it takes. Talk about his eye color. Talk about his hair color. You know what, Matt? I don't really like your color choice, and I don't really like your outfit today. Also, how are your wife and kids doing? Right? Is your parenting style for your kids good enough? Where are you sending them to school? Let's have it all out right here. Every possible disagreement that we could ever have, let's do it. And let's yell. Let's not stay composed. Let's yell to show that we're competitive. And you know what? We'll hold up the game because this is more important than anything going on right now. 
Does, does anyone else comprehend how how absurd this is? The level and the detail that everyone is going into this relationship and the dynamic between the two of them. And here and and here we are talking about it. I I I cannot believe it. The Packers are two and zero. Their rookie head coach is lapping the field of his contemporaries, who most of which are zero and two. I think Matt Lafleur still might be the only rookie head coach to have a win. That might be wrong, but if if one another has a win, it's it's one I can't remember. Right? It's one that I can't think of right now. The Packers have beaten their two best division rivals, in my opinion. One on the road in an incredibly difficult environment. And both teams have very good defenses. The Bears the best in the league. And your new head coach is the offensive play caller. So if there are growing pains, it's going to be on offense. And it didn't matter because you were able to outscore the Bears. And you are able to outscore the Vikings. But here we are breaking down the detail and how Aaron Rodgers didn't yell at Matt LaFleur long enough. Unreal. I I just wish we could stop talking about this at all. You look back through sports... Michael Jordan punched a teammate. He would yell. Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady have all been difficult at times to get along with. Every human being is different. They communicate differently. They express themselves differently. And they and it all shows up differently on a football field. You can win with just about every personality. You can win with every type of player. You just have to put the right system, the right coach, the right supporting cast around the player. And it's not a problem. I cannot believe that segment that I just played you existed and played on a major radio and television network. That's unreal to me. I hope from now that we're just talking about games, that we're just talking about wins and losses, because really, we should be talking about how incredible it is that the Packers are 2-0 against two of the best defenses in the NFL, both in their division, and with a rookie head coach, when, have you looked around the NFL? Yeah, rookie head coaches ain't doing so well. Man, the stories just became bizarre. That that segment of audio belongs in a museum. That's where that segment belongs, not on national airwaves. I want to talk about the Badgers. They are getting a little bit of national recognition, right? They've worked their way up in the AP polls slowly but surely the last three weeks. And they have what I think is one of the most interesting college football matchups in the near future coming up this weekend with Michigan. They host them at Camp Randall. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, Paul Christ, we've done this a couple of times. Uh, Wisconsin has yet to come out on top. Last year, they just got they just got killed last year. I, I don't know what else there is to say. I, I have a little bit of a question. I'm, I'm a little bit interested into the ranking system right now with the Badgers. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the run game, their pass game, everything Badgers, uh, and everything Wisconsin-Michigan coming up on Saturday. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Back in a moment. Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always listen live on our website, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app as well. Download it if you haven't already. If you want to join the show, please do. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. you got to move away from Packers, right? We spent a lot of time on Packers-Vikings yesterday. Uh, talking a little bit about the Rogers Lafleur relationship and exactly how absurd this conversation has gotten. Uh, we need a break. Let's talk Badgers. Let's talk college football. Who? Let's be real. Uh, through the first couple of weeks, I mean, Brewers are killing it. Packers are killing it. Badgers are killing it. Badgers are right up there right now for one of the most dominant teams in the state currently. Through two weeks, right, two and zero, and they have yet to surrender a point. I'll I'll come out and say it. Fine, I will. I think the Badgers are a top ten team right now. 
And and while that might not seem like a particularly fiery take, right, th- th- there is something to be said for that. In the preseason AP poll, right, so go back about four weeks now, uh, Wisconsin came in at 19. So they were in between Michigan State and Iowa, right? A couple spots behind Penn State and Auburn, a couple spots in front of Washington State and Nebraska, and Nebraska which I particularly find dumb. But at that point in the season, it's a crapshoot, right? Everybody's just kind of, we're guessing. It's an educated guess. And the preseason AP poll, a lot is built on reputation, right? Wisconsin didn't have a great year last year. Going into this season, the world really didn't have reason to believe the Badgers were going to be all that good based on what they showed last year. But they're still the Wisconsin Badgers, and they're still a perennial contender in the Big Ten, and they are very, very consistent, have been very consistent the last 20 years. So they... Throw him in at 19. Ah, good a pick as any to be the 19th best team in the country to start, right? Well, as the season has moved along, I think the Badgers have shown exactly how dominant they can be. Now, it's a little bit difficult to tell in non-conference with an uncommon opponent at uncommon stadiums, right? And normally for Power 5 schools, it's against easier teams, right? Now, Southern Florida, I thought would be an interesting game, right? They have a high-level coach who used to be at Texas and Charlie Strong. It's a good program, I don't know what happened, right? Badgers have yet to surrender a point, and they made quick work of both of their non-conference games. And then, of course, the, the, the bye week last week. I think the Badgers are a top-10 team. I, I I do, and I think it's an easy call. The AP poll does not believe that yet, and neither do the coaches poll. The Badgers are actually at 14 on the coaches, 13 in the AP. So here's your top 10, right? Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Auburn, Florida, Utah. It's a pretty good group. It, once you get past Notre Dame, it becomes kind of okay. But that top six or seven, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, that's pretty, that's undisputable right there. Those are the best teams in the country. I think Wisconsin should be about where Utah and Florida is, right? Michigan's at 11. And in the preseason poll, Michigan was just a little bit higher. Michigan was at seven. They have slowly made their way down. Wisconsin has slowly made their way up. Very slowly, right? A little bit too slowly for my taste. I think Wisconsin is there with Auburn and Florida. I think they could be there with Notre Dame. I certainly think they're with Michigan, who struggled to beat Army. For God's sake, Michigan struggled to beat Army and and, and looked really, really, really bad. Really bad. Almost lost Army at home. That's indefensible. Here's where I have a problem with the AP poll. I think the Badgers are a top 10 team because they're passing to set up the run. Jack Cohen is passing to set up Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, good luck. Good luck stopping that, right? If you can't load the box against Jonathan Taylor on that offensive line, good luck. To just about everyone in the Big Ten but Ohio State, good luck. Their defense is yet to surrender a point. They have started 110 to nothing through two weeks. They've looked They've looked amazing. And they sit at 13. Now, by the end of the year, I, I think the AP poll kind of works itself out because I think teams play themselves into contention and other teams play themselves out. But but here's my problem, okay? In week one, the preseason poll, before any games were played, Wisconsin came in at 19th overall in the AP. Like I said, mostly based on reputation. It was a, it was a guess that you felt pretty good about because Wisconsin has been consistent for the last 20 years, right? If you had to put money on someone, why not Wisconsin? Throw them at 19. We'll see what happens. Well, Wisconsin comes out and 
murders Southern Florida to start the year, right? And after that game, they move up two spots to 17. Very small jump, right? Okay, understandable, fine. But then after they get another slaughter the following week, they move up to 14. Okay, one spot, two spots to, 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 to 14? What? My problem is, is that the AP poll got it wrong. I believe Wisconsin's a top 10 team. I think they should be in the top 10 in the rankings right now. They originally had them at 19, and after week one, the, the voters who comprise the AP poll are saying, damn it, we got it wrong. Wisconsin, God damn, Wisconsin's good. Wisconsin's back to being good, okay? Jack Cohen is not Alex Hornibrook. That offensive line is still the Wisconsin offensive line. Jonathan Taylor is certainly, I think, going to be the Doak Walker Award, maybe the Heisman winner. Certainly the best, if not uh, the best running back in the country right now, Okay. The AP got it wrong. This, this Wisconsin team is better than they thought. They're better than Washington State. They're way better than Iowa, who scuffled through non-conference like they normally do and barely managed to beat Iowa State. I don't know how they beat Iowa State, but they always seem to. They get outplayed for 99% of the game and then somehow win every year. They're better than Iowa. right? They're better than Boise State and Maryland. Good God, those teams are in, in, in that same conversation. They're a top-10 team, and my problem is the AP realized after week one that Wisconsin... Mm, they're better than we thought. Crap, we got it wrong. But we're not going to jump them up to where they deserve to be. We're not going to put them where they should be. We're going to slowly boost. We're going we're to slowly put them there. Because if we if, if we jump them 10 spots and we put them where they rightfully should be, that's just going to show how wrong we were, right? We, we, we had the preseason rankings wrong. We had Wisconsin pegged wrong. And if we go and jump them, then we're just going to look like idiots. Which they won't. We'd all understand, right? I, I think what we're slowly coming around to this idea in sports where as you get new information... And as you learn more about teams, you can change your opinion. I'd like to think that's as popular as ever right now. But apparently not. The AP is like, well, we can't can't show that we were wrong. That would, that would show that we actually maybe don't know everything, which they don't. It's a poll. Nobody knows how sports, sports betting, professional sports bettors get what, 51, 52% of games? Sports are unpredictable. No one's going to fault the AP for saying, okay, we were wrong. We'll boost Wisconsin to the top 10. Now, I'm not getting angry at this. I'm not losing sleep at this. And you shouldn't either, yet. But we have this tendency as college football fans, and it's dangerous and it's short-sighted. We have this tendency to only focus on the top six spots. The four teams who would be in a playoff if it started tomorrow, which it doesn't. The four teams who would be in the college football playoff. And then the two or three teams that are trying to prove that they should get that last spot. Right? Waiting for one of those teams to fall so they can slide in. Or college, uh, the uh, conference championship weekend comes around. Then we're really focusing. Right? Top four. Probably top six. That's what we focus on. You got to focus on the other 25, 20 teams. You have to. You have to focus on the top 25. Here's why. 15 through 25. Nobody tends to focus on that. The problem is... The LSUs of the world, the Notre Dames of the world, who are at four and seven, their resume is built upon beating other teams, right? So you might not care that Maryland is ranked twenty first, or in or in the, the the case of LSU, let's look at maybe another SEC team like Texas A and M. You might not care that Texas A and M is at sixteen. But that's the team that builds Notre Dame's resume or LSU's resume. You might not care the Texas A&M is at 16 because they don't have a, a shot at 16 to make the playoff. But LSU, Georgia, Alabama, their resumes are built on the backs of the teams that sit 15 through 25. Those teams matter. They do. Because at the end of the year, 
LSU or Georgia or Bama, pick an SEC team. And I'm not just picking on the SEC. Pick any conference. Pick any team. They can look back and say, well, we beat we beat Wisconsin at the time. They were 19. Well, well, no, actually, Wisconsin should have been ranked a lot higher. Or look way back. We beat Maryland. They were 21. Well, Maryland had no business being there, right? Resumes for the college football playoff are built on the backs of teams that reside 12 through 25. And if you don't focus on those teams and those positions in the rankings, if you don't pay attention, you don't hold those spots accountable, then the AP can tweak and they can lift up teams and and give a team a quality win, whereas maybe the game was quality, maybe it wasn't, but well, we'll we'll stick Texas A&M in at 23 just so LSU can get a ranked win, right? That'll look good on the resume and no one will care. No one will be like, why is Texas A&M at 23? Well, that's how resumes are built. So the idea that, that that teams through 10 and 25, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, it, it certainly does. And it's going to start to matter a lot more once conference play actually gets going, which is this weekend. Resumes are built on the backs of the teams who sit 12 through 25. And if you if you treat those spots, those rankings, as not important, as secondary, well, then you're missing the point and you're missing the, the, the internal workings of how this works of how the college football playoff works. Now, I do agree with the AP in a sense that they're moving up Wisconsin slowly because they have yet to play a conference team. If Wisconsin comes out and smacks around Michigan this weekend, which I think is a strong possibility at Camp Randall, then Wisconsin damn well better be in the top 10. And you know what? They might be even a little bit higher. Right now, the week four poll, the AP has Wisconsin at 13 and Michigan at 11. Michigan has no reason being 11 after almost losing two of their non-conference games, one of which at home to Army. If Wisconsin beats Michigan, and I mean beats them handedly, which I think they very well could on Saturday, Wisconsin better be in the top 10 because the rankings really start to matter, not just the top four, five, or six, no, but all of them because every ranking, every matchup, every team, every game means something to somebody else. And I okay, I'll take a patient approach with the AP if they want to see what happens between Wisconsin and Michigan this Saturday. But if Wisconsin continues to dominate, they have no reason to be held out of the top 10. None. They've looked like one of the best teams in college football so far. Let's talk Brewers baseball. They have had, speaking of dominant teams, right? Badgers are 2-0, Packers are 2-0, and and I've almost forgot what a Brewers loss feels like, right? They've had that great of a September. Once again, I give the credit to Craig Council. We have a pretty exciting storyline tonight. Brandon Woodruff is back. Let's talk about it and maybe re-examine the Brewers' starting rotation as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. Travis Shaw, pinch hitting. And hits that one hard. Right field line. That is up. And that one is out. Travis Shaw, long time coming. Knocks one out of here. And the Brewers have a 4-1 lead. That was last night. Brewers beat the Padres 5-1. to one. Uh, Obviously, Travis Shaw's home run, not the difference, but certainly uplifting. A feel-good moment as a guy who's had just about as bad a season as you can possibly have. They'll do it again tonight, same time, 640, 6.05 pregame right here on WK2I. You don't have to wait very long. Tonight is, is a big night for the Brewers, not just because they're winning and they're in the heat of a, a wild card slash division race. But Brandon Woodruff is going to be back on the mound after missing how much time. I didn't think he would return this year because I didn't think the Brewers would want to rush him back because the Brewers weren't competing, right? 
until September started, and then they were. So tonight, Trent Grisham in right, Grandal catching, Moustakis at third, Braun in left here at second base, Thames at first, Kane in center field, and batting seventh. Lorenzo Kane batting seventh. Brandon Woodruff uh, hitting eighth, and then Spangenberg hitting ninth. So a little bit different, a little creative. Uh, Brandon Woodruff not being a total slouch with the bat, I think, gives Council just a little bit more flexibility to to flex and bend his lineup uh, in different ways, which, once again, I don't know how many times i got to bang this drum for Craig Council. When you give him expanded rosters in September, when it means the most, he has been, in my opinion, a special manager. You cannot deny. Uh, last year, I think the talent speaks for itself. This year, different story. I don't think the Brewers have the same talent that they had last year. They certainly don't have the same bullpen, the same pitching. And Craig Council just has not cared. He's got this team rolling. He's got them purring. They are winning. And and I give all of that to Craig Council. Now, obviously, the, the the bullpen is improved and the players are playing well, but that starts with the manager, and, and he has gotten this team through an incredible September. I don't know what a Brewers loss feels like. It's been that long. I hope I don't have to be reminded tonight. Uh, last night, 5-1 to one, the Brewers won, uh, and, and getting offense a couple different ways. Right? Orlando Arcia had a big double. They did have the Shaw home run. Spangenberg with an RBI. It was an impressive performance, and once again, this Brewers team is rolling. It doesn't feel like they're getting lucky. It just feels like everything is coming together at the right time. Now, I'm I'm interested. The, the schedule for the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals is a twisted, wacky mess for the final couple of weeks of the season. So the Brewers and, and, and their rest of the stretch, we basically got it memorized, right? Because how many times have we talked about it now? Uh, they have a couple of games with the Padres left over, and then they have a couple of division games, uh, both between the Pirates and... And the Reds, and did you see the the Pittsburgh Pirates closer, Felipe Vasquez, is now facing charges of, of I believe, uh, soliciting of prostitution. And there was a younger girl involved. I don't know if it was child prostitution. I think it might have been um, distributing inappropriate material to a minor. Like, that's he's, he's done for the year. He's not playing. So Pittsburgh is even weaker there. Cincinnati up next and then finishing in Colorado for the final three games. The Brewers have a soft schedule. The Cubs and the Cardinals play each other a combined seven times uh, the rest of the way out. And the Cardinals right now are playing the Nationals. They won last night, beat the Nationals last night. And of course, the Nationals are the team currently in possession of the number one wildcard spot. And as the Cardinals continue to win, that lead over the Cubs and the Brewers gets even smaller. This could get really, really messy. Very messy. In the division, in the wild card, with ties. The Nationals' lead over the Cubs is down to a half game. The Brewers only one game behind the Cubs. Now, I don't know who Brewers fans would cheer for. I, at this point, the realist in me wants to cheer for the Cardinals and just knock the Cubs out of this race completely. Because four games and then three to close the year for a total of seven, if the Cards win most of those, they could essentially eliminate the Cubs from this race which would make things a lot cleaner. But if they don't, and the Cubs and the Cardinals kind of flirt around and, and they each win a couple, and the Cardinals maybe win one or two more against the Nationals and the Brewers keep playing well, well, then it could be really, 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 really messy. Uh, there was a, an article in The Athletic today that I just found inc- incredibly confusing, honestly. I'm not going to try to explain it. So Jason Stark goes through all of the nightmare potentials uh, for ties, right? Think of it this way. The Cubs and the Brewers, Cardinals and Nationals could all tie. The NL Central and both wildcard spots. How big of a mess would that be, right? I, I think more likely the, the the chances are of a three-way tie between the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Nationals for wildcards, okay? 
I think that's more likely because I think the Cardinals are, are playing well and I think they're going to continue to win. So, this is so complicated. A three-way tie for two wild card spots. So, game 162 would be on Sunday. Then Monday, there would be a tiebreaker against Washington to determine the first wild card spot, okay? That game would be in Milwaukee. The Brewers have the tiebreaker over the Nationals. Uh, the Cubs and the Nationals. Brewers have all the tiebreakers. So on Monday, they would play at Miller Park. Now, if the Brewers lost that game, they would still be then playing for the second wild card spot. So they'd go to Chicago uh, to play a tiebreaker game the next day on Tuesday. Now, after that game, the Brewers, if they win on Wednesday, would head to Washington to play for the actual wild card game, which is the actual play-in game, right, to, to actually make the series. If the Brewers won that game, then their prize is heading out to Los Angeles to play the the Dodgers. Think about that. How how messy, how big of a cluster is this? And the schedule makes this a possibility, right? With the Cubs and the Cardinals playing each other, with the Cardinals currently playing the Nationals, and with the Brewers having a very manageable portion of their schedule, and they're playing really, really well. So the Cubs, Brewers, Nationals all tie. It would require a tiebreaker on Monday, the actual wild card game on Tuesday, and then, no, excuse me, it would be a tiebreaker Monday, another tiebreaker Tuesday, and then the actual wild card on Wednesday. So they play three games in three days, and then if they were somehow to run that gamut and come out on top, they would head to the Dodgers on Thursday. Oh my God. I hope it doesn't come to that. I really don't. I don't know if I can handle that. Think of how Craig Council's going to manage his pitching staff through those three clustered days. I will say, if there's one manager I think is equipped to handle that and manage it, I do think it is Craig Council. I think that would play into his strengths. I, I just don't know if that's advantageous or, or, or preferable for any team that exists in Major League Baseball. Three play-in games. Three! We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it all. Brewers, Padres, pregame starts in 10 minutes. Enjoy the game. We'll talk about it tomorrow here on the Wisco Sports Show.